I'm Alex Melleris. And I'm Tai Seifu. We have some stuff that changed last week. We're one through three. I'm going to start. Uh, we're going to say just the nativity. Uh, so I'm just going to add for my sense of better native things. Your name's Fence. Just forget about that. I had some math yesterday. And I saw the stand lunch last two things. I ended up over both as and who keeps on their like sixth minimum pace with which he is like very slightly battered. Then I'm going to ask the name of the top. Just really block this. And like much ago, uh, just like you know, you look at you know different models around the league. I look the one you know Dom Lucician puts up with the Athletic. I mean, like they were basically guaranteed a playoff spot, like uh, you know, mid ninety percent, and now they're back down to seventy because they play like dog shit night in night out and week in week out. And okay, so I guess we'll get into the games because yeah, you look at the standings, you just look at the points right now. They're in serious jeopardy of you know, losing a spot to the freaking Flames or the Canucks, especially the way they've been playing against the Flames, losing both of those games, they were must-wins at this point, you know? Uh, you win one of these, and you basically put the Flames away, uh, and you just kind of have to worry about the Canucks, a predicament, a predicament which is, you know, I think not so bad because of the freaking Canucks. Um, but yeah, it's just, holy shit. I th- look, so, look, first of all, the team looks gassed. Um, I don't know if it's the whole uh, compact schedule thing, but... I don't know what it is. Like they just they don't play they don't play very well. Like the entire game, you know, like they'll they'll have some stretches, but it feels like whenever they do take a lead, they just kind of sit on it. And like you're watching the game, and it kind of feels like it's an inevitability at this point. Watching you know the other team tie it up, and then once they tie it up, you expect them to score the next goal as well. Uh, and then by and then like you know the Habs are just they don't really put much of a fight up. Um, and that's happened like all three games that they lost this week. Um, you know they lost they lost like. They were thoroughly dominated by the Oilers in the first game. And then, you know, the Flames, those two games in a row, it was just like, you know, they put up a fight in terms of like the first period. And then the second and third period, it was like, you know, the game's over. All right, we packed it up and we lost the game. Uh, and, you know, even against the freaking Oilers, they almost blew it in the last like two minutes. They were 4-1 mm-hmm. and they got up two goals. And like, they very well could have tied it up at the very end. You know, they had a nice chance. So, you know, it seems like they're gassed. That's the, that's the impression I get because it's like they can't string let alone, like, multiple games together. They can hardly string a full game together uh, in really any of the four games that they played, even if they did manage winning one of them. Yeah. Um, I was listening to Staff and Graph the other day, and Haley Salvin was on as a, as a guest, and she was talking about is how it's kind of been a tale of two seasons for Montreal. The first one was, like, pretty short compared to the second one. But we all remember how dominant they were at the start of the year. And basically what, what Haley Salvin said was that Montreal's style where they want to like move up the ice as a five-man unit which is kind of how they want to produce offense it works uh not as well against teams like and here's what she cited Calgary and Ottawa those are the teams it doesn't work well against uh so so basically what we were saying those two teams are both behind you in the division they're both worse than you or at least they should be worse than you and teams that, that basically like do a lot of of, I don't know, dump and chase, where they try and keep Montreal hemmed into their own zone, That's those are the teams that stop Montreal from generating offense. Because of how slow Montreal's defense is, you can keep them in their own zone for a while, even if you're not necessarily generating scoring chances. They get tired, and then they need to go for a line change, and then they don't generate any offense. So it really it does come back to the awful construction of this defense, and how it is not offensively built whatsoever and that that's the that's the main problem with this team that we're gonna that we're gonna come back that's the main reason why they're failing and really when it comes down to it not just why they sometimes have defensive lapses but why they don't produce much offense either in the past several games i'm gonna count back how many goals they've scored 
2-2-4-1-0-2-1-4-0-2-2. And that's dating all the way back to April 7th. Right. So, I mean, those are just horrendous numbers. And if you score like that, you can't possibly expect to win, let alone, you know, keep a steady hold on your playoff spot. Um, you know, at this point, I just looked. Their goal differential has finally hit the negatives. It took a while, but it's finally there uh, at minus one on the we season. We did it, boys. Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, it's just, yeah, you're right. It's the defense. The defense, it is so awful at this point. And it's not just that. It's like they're, they're not even playing the good ones, the ones who are able to freaking move the puck. I mean, like, Brett Kulak is out here getting healthy scratched. Uh, we've talked and talked about Victor Mete. Um, getting, you know, that was last week's thing, you know, big long rent. But still, the point stands. I mean, everybody who can move the puck, it seems, on this defense, all right, if you're not Jeff Petrie, who, yeah, as we've talked about recently, has been playing well himself, um, apparently you don't get playing time. Instead, you have to be big, sandpaper, gritty, and that absolutely, and it, there's no variety. There's, they're all the same. They're all the freaking same. And that leaves you vulnerable the teams like the you know the Sens and the Flames who you know when they bring that playing style which doesn't mesh like mash well with the Habs well you can't really adapt because all your players stink uh, and they're slow and they're all the same they can't adapt at all the team like you know Ducharme doesn't really have much to play with if all his players all his defensemen are all slow and all they can do is be big and hit um, so yeah it's the it's the, the defense is just it's compl- it's like a it's like a you know what's the word it's like a solid block. You know, it's unmovable. You can't change it. And there's no sort of uh, versatility whatsoever with this team. And, you know, you, mm-hmm. you play teams like the, the Senators and the Flames, who supposedly have significantly less talent than you. Um, and, I mean, losing record against the Senators over the course of the season, what more do I need to say? Yeah, I think it's a bad sign when I go into every game expecting them to lose. Very reminiscent of some some past seasons we've had in recent memory, especially that 17-18 season where they finished, I believe, third or fourth last in the NHL. Uh, and not, not only that, every every single time the game starts, I kind of am a little bit surprised to see that it starts 0-0. Like, I start every game feeling like they're already losing. Uh, which is, I don't know. I don't know if that's some sort of psychology thing or whatever, but honestly, every time in terms of that defense... The past week or so, when I've been trying to think like, oh, how would I, how would I try to structure this with the defenseman that they have right now? I I start putting Victor Mate in there, and then I have to readjust. Uh, as I remember, he's no longer with us. Uh, he's not dead, of course. He's just with the Ottawa Senators. Um, but <laughs> you might as well. <laughs> but wow, wow. All right. Um, <laughs> something hit me about the defense yesterday that I never really realized. And I think, uh, you, you know this, but it's going to blow your mind when I say it out loud, that Ben Sherratt plus Joel Edmondson is a higher cap hit than any one of our forwards. Oh my god. $7 million of the cap on Sherratt plus Joel Edmondson. Yeah, so is this a good segue into how Bergevay has completely bungled the cap situation? I think it is. Um, because, yeah, it could be. You know, yeah, so we I've talked about how, you know, this team lacks a superstar. And yeah, it's tough to get a superstar in this league. But, the, the, you know, you need one, basically, at this point. Uh, and the Habs have completely been able to, to acquire one, sure. But, uh, you know, that's one thing. But that to completely blow it, all this money on the defensemen, on not very good defensemen, you know, what kind of player could you get for $7 million? I'm sure it's a hell of a lot better than these two scrubs taking up two spots in your roster who are slow as hell uh, in Sherrod and Edmondson. 
And yeah, you may that is that is kind of a mind blowing stat. Uh, these two human traffic cones, all right, just taking up seven million dollars of your cap more than any forward. That's completely baffling. Uh, and yeah, it just goes to show how this team is uh poorly constructed and all this depth. And you know what? We'll get into this depth because the Habs haven't been able to use this depth because they've been handcuffed because of the way Bergevin has completely botched. The, uh, the the basically the little bottom six tinkering aspect of this thing. Now they can't do anything. And now a team that's built on depth has practically none at all. Yeah. Um man, I someone might remember me saying a couple of weeks ago, I really want to get a much more firm grasp on how the salary cap works, like the daily cap tracker, like LTIR, taxi squad. I mean, there would probably won't be a taxi squad beyond this season, but you know, there's a lot of complicated moving parts this season with understanding how the cap works. And everyone's been trying to get a, a hold on like, Oh, is Caulfield going to be able to get into the lineup? And we hear they don't have enough cap room for it, which I understand. It's like, well, how do they make cap room? That's like, well, if Caden Primo goes back to the taxi squad, then there'll be room for Caulfield. But if there's an injury, but maybe not if there's an injury, they don't go on IR. And I want to be able to like do those calculations by myself and, and actually be able to learn things and actually be able to explain things. But either way, what I have gathered from this is that Jake Evans, who was a great fourth line center for a big chunk of the season. And okay, this kind of is a, a little bit of a sidetrack. He's better than Eric Stahl. I would say Eric Stahl is kind of in a disappointment. And I would prefer, honestly, wave Eric Stahl, put Jake Evans back in the lineup. I don't care. Eric Stahl has uh, not been very impressive to me, despite those two goals in however many games he's played. But anyway, the point is that if you if it's a tight squeeze to get Jake Evans off the taxi squad and into your, into your lineup, if you needed to have like what was it three injuries and then like you're you're still playing eleven forward seven defensemen. I don't know if you saw uh, Eric Gustafson was listed as a left winger by the Canadians Twitter account last night. It ended up it was only to fit it into the that graphic, but like the fact that we weren't even surprised by that, like it might be trying Eric Gustafson as left wing, probably a bad sign. And basically, so acquiring these guys like you know Stahl, John Merrill, Eric Gustafson, you know on paper sure it's nice to add to your playoff push. But then when you're so tight against the cap that basically your big strength, which was which has been forward depth, you can't really use in order to, you know, shuffle guys in and out of the lineup, get guys like Stahl or, or Corey Perry or even like rotate out Lekkonen and Byron. You can't get them any rest because you're too close to the cap. Maybe it wasn't worth getting John Merrill after all to, I don't know, shore up the defense and then knock Brett Kulak out of the lineup. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the cap... It's just one part of it, right? Because it's because of the cap right now that they're, you know, Cole Caulfield is just floundering, uh, basically as their as a practice squad body, as he's not able to, you know, they're not sending him down to Laval. They're he's just staying with the team, and they're unable to get to get him on. Like uh, something to do with, you know, like because they have Primo up, and then also, you know, Carey Price is injured. Like it's a whole, it's a whole thing, right? Um, and that's that's absolutely on Bergevin. But another part that he's completely botched with his whole. Uh, you know, roster tinkering aspect. And it's the reason, I think it's the main reason why they actually can't call up Evans. I don't think it's actually because of the cap. It's mainly because they're out of call-ups. Because after the deadline, the trade deadline, there's only so many, you know, non-injury-related non, you know, emergency call-ups you can have. All right? You're allowed four. And the Habs have already used three. And they used all three of them on the first day after the cap, the trade deadline, uh, which is an incredible lack of foresight. Um, what they did was, you know, they, you know, the Habs have been doing a whole bunch of like paper transactions, right? To, to, to save cap. But for some reason, they decided to carry that over 
to use base to use seventy five percent of their trade deadline call ups and only leave one for the entire for the rest of the season. And so what what they did was you know on that on right after that trade deadline they called up Romanov, Byron, and Xavier freaking Wallet. Um, and just like that, you only have one trade that you only have one call up left that that's that, that's not injury related. So now that's what we're talking about in terms of like waiting for an injury if you want to play Jake Evans. Uh, because he's right now in the minors, and they can't call him up to the taxi squad, or or maybe you know they can't they can't they basically can't bring him up to the to the NHL team, because if not, they wouldn't have any call ups left for the rest of the year. Uh, so yeah, and that completely handcuffs them because as we said, this team is built on depth. Because you know it's one thing you can't get a superstar, you might as well find something that you're good at. Uh, and you know for Bergevin, that was depth, but you can't even play half your guys. Uh, you know like that's the thing you could put. Eric Stahl on waivers for all you want. Not like not only is he not going to do that because you know the optics, uh, but also like calling up Evans would use up your last call up for the rest of the year, and so you know it's a complete shit show. I cannot believe how badly this guy has messed up his one job, uh, which like post trade deadline, which is to just manage the cap situation and make sure you have flexibility. And the Habs probably have less of that than any team in the league. Despite not having, as you mentioned, you know, a high cap hit forward, uh, because you know you talk about that stat with uh, Sherratt and Edmonton and that, um, it's just completely perf- like this guy needs to be fired on the spot. He's fucking incompetent. He stinks. So uh, yeah, that's where we're at. He's also yes, yeah, so this whole transaction thing. He's already reached the uh, the limit, almost. I had never heard of that call up limit after the trade deadline rule. Uh. Wow, I had never heard of that before. And I mean, it does kind of make sense now that you see like teams with some cap space, especially if like their AHL team isn't really doing that great. A lot of times, because there's no roster limit either after the trade deadline, they'll just call up a bunch of guys and have like a big roster and I don't know, have like a, a I don't know, 26, 27 players on their roster after the trade deadline. Montreal, of course, is not in a position to do that at all. Uh, but still, I mean... W- if that's a rule, I don't know why really Xavier Willett. Wow. I feel like Xavier Willett is kind of, you know, he slowly developed developed into like a bad vibes player. First, first he like passes Victor Mete on the depth chart in Mark Bergman's eyes. And now this, this call up thing when I'm pretty sure he would have had six defensemen anyway. So I don't know, uh, man, obviously I'm still rooting for them to win and make the playoffs. But I mean, if if they fall out, if they fall out of the playoffs, maybe it does kind of expose some flaws in Jeff Molson's eyes, and maybe that would finally signal the end of Mark Bergman's tenure. So I mean, I guess we'll just wait and see what happens, how things shake out in these last last two and a half weeks. Some flaws. His entire tenure is a flaw at this point. I knew they missed the oh, playoffs. Of course. I'm saying I'm, That's a complete... I'm talking about Jeff Molson's perspective. If they make the if they finish okay. fourth in the division, he'll be like. Playoffs, great. Good work, everyone. Yeah, if they miss the playoffs, maybe he'll be thinking, hell, what? We're worse than the Flames and the Canucks? Um, maybe that get, that'll finally get it through his thick head. Um, because, yeah, this he needs some. This team stinks! There's no moving forward with this team where, you know, I've talked about this before. Like, moving from here to Stanley Cup contender. Um, you know, the, 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 the path to that, to that promised land seems extremely foggy right now. Um, and most of that is because Bergevin doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Um, so, yeah, we need some change here. Get the hell out. Get him out of this job. Uh, his time is up. 
And, you know, even at the small shit, he's bad at it. Um, so yeah, I, can't, I can't think of a single GM who's managed to completely botch a post-trade deadline, a post-trade deadline cap situation like this. Um, it's really, frankly, a disaster. Because, you know, you have your promising prospect, you can't play him. Uh, you have your center depth that you keep talking about that you supposedly supplemented with Eric Stahl. You can't play the fifth guy because he's stuck in the minors. It just... It doesn't mean every aspect he's completely bungled. And not only that, the team sucks. All right. And they play like they suck and they're tired and they lose to bad teams. So, you know, that's where we're at. In every in every way you look at it. And not only that, as we talked about last week, completely morally bankrupt. Try to sign Tony D'Angelo on top of all that. So, you know, it's just from every angle, it's a complete shit show. And let's get this guy out of the job. Let's get someone new in there. Let's get the different coach because I don't think Ducharme's very good, even though he's dealt a shitty hand with all the defensemen that he has to play. Um, it's time for a fresh start. The roster's not awful. It just needs a new guy at the helm, someone who knows what the hell he's doing. Yep. Uh, to fix the defense. Anyway, want to move on to Marlo, who we didn't really talk about last week? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so as is, is very common knowledge by now, Patrick Marlo now holds the record for most NHL games played. Uh, but what was taking up the bulk of the conversation was that some people weren't very happy about it. All right. Uh, the first, the first one I saw, the first one I saw this uh, was actually uh, Jay Fresh, who I sometimes talk about. He didn't have like a ridiculous take or anything like that. He was like, "Eh, I don't know if this 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 feels so great because I mean, Gordy Howe is still producing somewhat. When he was fifty one years old, everyone knows, or even fifty two, maybe I think, right at the very end. Uh, meanwhile, Patrick Marlowe is uh, below replacement level, and he sucks. And if he were pretty much anyone else, and if he weren't chasing this record, there's no question he would have been waived by now. Uh, and I, and so he was like, oh, I don't feel so good about this record. And I was like, well, that's kind of a ridiculous thing to say for a number of reasons. First of all, uh, as I didn't really know, but have learned, um, Gordy Howe, uh, by the time he was really in the twilight of his career, um, pretty much no one ever touched him. There was like this unwritten rule, oh, don't get in Gordy Howe's face. Uh, so I'm sure that, that kind of helped him out a little bit. Uh, also... Patrick Marlowe, this is probably like the first year of his career, I think, where he's really been this bad. And this, the Sharks are bad too. So here's here's the way I look at it. It's, wow, uh, I can't believe that you're, you're getting help from your team in order to break a record. Why would you, why would you try to break a record? And just, it's just kind of, I don't know, people, I don't know, just kind of making points and saying things for the sake of it. But the really funny ones were the Steve Simmons and the Rosie DeMano uh, ones, Steve Simmons was just like, oh, Gordie Howe, all these other players, look at all these trophies they won. Patrick Marlowe, he just finished ninth in the heart voting one time, and that was the whole tweet, and it's like, okay, and also Patrick Marlowe has the games played record. And then the Rosie DeMano one, that was, that was the, everyone's favorite. I was something like, um, something like, oh, if I were Patrick Marlowe, and I got to within one game of breaking Gordie Howe's record, I would stop out of a sign of respect. <laughs> For Gordy Howe, you saw this, right? Yeah, I did. Okay, yeah, and I just, I just can't imagine a world where every time anyone gets close to breaking any record, they just stop before they do so. On the NHL record in goals, still would be one if everyone had done that. Joe Malone or whoever it was would have scored that first goal, and no one would have ever scored again. Uh, because too much respect for Joe Malone. Uh, but but then, you know, goalies would be breaking the shutout record, so they would all have to retire before they got another shutout because every goalie got a shutout. Uh, and the NHL wouldn't exist anymore. So so that's what would happen if everyone respected people too much. Thank you for coming to my uh, my Dr. Seuss book. 
<laughs> it was wonderful. Um, but yeah, it's just okay. So all these st- stupid ass takes. I mean, like first of all, you talk about like you know the all oh, the sharks are helping Patrick Marlowe. First of all, as you mentioned, the sharks stinks. So like you know, it's not like they have that many players who like should take his roster spot anyways. Uh, second of all. Yeah, it's the first season he's bad. And third of all, you know, he's getting help from the Sharks, a team that he's played for, for like 20 years. You know, if you play for a team for 20 years, uh, he's helped them a lot. Maybe help. they can help him too. Yeah, exa- exactly. Not only that, uh, Gordy Howe got help from the entire league from what from uh, <laughs> yeah. from what you're telling me. Uh, so, yeah, who's the real one? Who's the who's the real moocher here? Uh, I think it's Gordy Howe. Uh, and so, yeah, so there's really there's really nothing to uh, get all up in arms about with this record. Seems very legit. He didn't cheat. There's nothing wrong with uh, breaking the record here. And uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, Patrick Marlowe, all-time games record holder at only 41 years old. You know, he didn't even play till freaking Gordy Howe. How old, do, how, how, was, how old was Gordy Howe when he, he ended playing? Well, it doesn't even matter. It was, all gimmick. He was, it was all gimmick by the end of it anyways, wasn't it? Yeah, kind of. Well, he was 52. Uh, uh, also, the seasons were shorter, at least to the start of his career. There were, I think, 50 games. Uh, and also, he played in the WHA for a couple years in the middle in his forties. Um, so it's not like he played thirty straight full seasons, and and because then he would have you know eclipsed two thousand games or whatever. But uh, but yeah, of course, you know, still an amazing achievement for for Patrick Marlowe, a slam dunk Hall of Famer. And I think one of the reasons people found those weird takes even funnier, oh excuse me, <coughs> sorry, was that Patrick Marlowe is one of like the nicest NHL players. That there, that there ever has been, by all accounts. I remember we were when he was with the Leafs. We were, heard a bunch of stories about how much like Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews loved hanging out with him. And some people even made jokes about like, oh, the most scathing indictment of Paul Marner is that Mitch is always looking for a new locker room dad or something like that. Uh, but anyway, good for Patrick Marlowe. Uh, I think actually he's also on a very long Ironman streak. He hasn't missed a game since like 2009 or something crazy like that. Um, and you know, I don't know if he's going to play beyond this season. If he does, if he plays like another full year next year, he, I think, was in reach of the Ironman record. That's currently Doug Jarvis, I think 964. So are Phil Kessel and Keith Yandel. They're both uh, set up, if they don't miss games, of course, to um, to break those records by uh, by next season, which I really like because unlike Doug Jarvis, those three players are all, you know, they're like, oh, they're too soft. They don't hit, especially Kessel, who, by the way, I hope eventually breaks Patrick Marlowe's games played record down the line. That'd be hilarious. That would be funny. Phil Kessel, games played leader in the entire NHL history. Uh, I'm just, I'm living to see that. Um, but yeah, in terms of the future, I mean, like, oh, why the hell not? I mean, the Sharks think, as I've said. And they can, they can absolutely use, uh, sure, why not? Like, uh, roll them out for an entire season, call it a farewell tour, you know, in front of the fans, hopefully, uh, if, you know, they can if COVID can kind of calm down before the start of next season and you pay him league men like they are right now. And I don't know. I think it could be fun. Uh, just, and, and then everybody would be up in arms about oh, all these games should have count toward the record. He stinks. Uh, and <laughs> I don't know. I think it would make, you know what? It would make the sharks somewhat. It would put the sharks in the headlines for once next season, something that I don't yeah. think they'd be able to accomplish otherwise. Um, so yeah, from the Sharks, why the hell not? You pay 700 grand, you get your team name in the headlines a few times, and it's a lot of fun. Not only that, like, teams are always talking about, like, the importance of, like, veteran leadership or something. Who has more veteran leadership than Patrick Marlowe? Uh, you know, especially... Literally nobody. Probably gonna... Yeah, <laughs> literally no one. He's played the most games. Um, 
And so they're probably going to want to be starting to, you know, pump some more young blood into their team. Having Patrick Marlowe around probably extremely value, valuable for them. And you know what? What Like a front office, an NHL front office probably puts even more weight onto that than even I do saying this right here. Like, you know, some rookie, you see Patrick Marlowe, all-time games played record, going to make the Hall of Fame, and he's your teammate. That, that probably does help out. And apparently it had helped out with Matthews, Marner, Nylander, etc. in Toronto. And I don't see why we wouldn't do the same thing in, in San Jose, or even more so because Patrick Marlowe is like an icon of the San Jose Sharks organization. Uh, the only problem is San Jose doesn't really have that many great prospects that might be close to making the NHL, but I'm sure they're seeing what they can do about that. Yeah, and all the more reason they don't have the prospects, all the more reason to give Marlowe some playing time, right? Uh, there we go. Yeah, or exactly. if they just gave him... He's already taking time night. away from It'll him. It'll be really funny. <laughs> It'll be really funny if they just had him like every game they have him as like the twelfth guy, and they, you know, they give him a couple minutes a night, and he just like stacks up the Iron Man record like that. You know, he goes out for a, a leisurely stroll out on the ice, comes around, <laughs> dumps the puck in, gets off the ice. That's another one for Patty Marlowe on top of his game played record. <laughs> just pat his stats well, a bit. Well, why I mean, not? Okay, that might be a bit much, especially you know, I because that really does seem like a oh yeah, we're not even a hockey team. We're just a Patrick Marlowe <laughs> circus. Uh, making the tour of the United States, so I don't, I don't think we're gonna, they're gonna go quite that far. But maybe he sticks. I mean, around aren't the Sharks league. already doing that at this point? Aren't the, aren't the, yeah, the but like they already play. aren't gonna make the playoffs this year. Next year, they'll probably start out wanting to make the playoffs. You know, will they? No, but they'll want to try. Okay, we'll see. But uh, I hold, I hold hope for the Patty Marlowe Circus Sharks uh, coming to an arena <laughs> next near you. Um, okay, so what other what else do we have? Um, Leonard. All right. Uh, so yeah, so we saw Robin Lehner come out with I think it was first was it a statement at first uh, in an interview that he gave, and then he like backed it up in a press conference. Uh, and yeah. basically, yeah, go ahead. So so basically, what what I'm pretty sure happened. I think this was after a game uh, in a press conference, like, you know, interview situation that's been over Zoom lately for, I think, about 11 minutes. He just did like a stream of consciousness about the NHL's handling of COVID and how the protocols are going to change or not change after players get it, get their vaccines, which, which some of them already have started to get their vaccines. Uh, and what everyone clung on to was that he says he said that it's been like a prison and then people got mad. Oh, that's very insensitive to say it's like a prison. He was like, sorry for calling it a prison. But like, you know what? I think that we shouldn't focus too much on that uh, minor slip up uh, in terms of what he, you know, small choices of words. And we should focus on his bigger point, which I think he was pretty much absolutely correct to complain about. So basically, the NHL, according to Robin Leonard, had laid out here's how the protocols the very strict protocols are going to change after you get your vaccine is going to open up a bit you're going to be able to see people more you know that's kind of how you would expect the protocols to change and for robin leonard who even mentioned that uh he has bipolar disorder uh he also i believe had substance abuse issues in the past being alone for you know a year is very bad for your mental health which is true for anyone but especially for someone like robin leonard and the NHL apparently backtracked on that, those promises and said, oh, yeah, actually, we're not going to open up those protocols until everyone in the NHL has the vaccine because we don't want there to be a competitive advantage 
for anyone who can, you know, leave their house or leave their hotel room or something like that. And here's the thing. Um, the NHL, a lot of people are speculating. They didn't promise those protocol changes. It was more like, here are some things we're considering doing eventually. And Robin Leonard, you know, since the NHL are, you know, a bunch of lawyers, they don't, they didn't, don't commit to making any changes. And then now they're like, oh yeah, those things we said we might do, we're not going to do them. And Robin Leonard somewhat got duped. But here's the thing. I don't blame him because that's a, a scummy thing to do for the NHL. Not that we've come to expect anything more than that. And even if they don't end up coming around, I mean, if the NHL doesn't end up coming around and they do say everyone's got to stay in these strict protocols till everyone's vaccinated for competitive balance, uh, that would suck. That would not be the right thing to do. Um, even if it would give teams a competitive edge to, you know, be able to leave their hotel room and see some family members, uh, this is very much, you know what this reminds me of? Those people that are like, oh, I have to pay my student loans, so everyone else should have to pay their student loans too. You know, it's like, okay, if if some teams are vaccinated and they can live, you know, a happier life, why should we restrict them just because some other teams can't? And to be honest, competitive balance is such a non-thing that, to be worried about in this situation. Like, really, you're going to make people's entire lives miserable that don't have to be just so, I don't know, everyone playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs can be sad at the same time. Really, that's what we're going for. Good luck with that. Yeah, and I think Lehner, like summed it up pretty nicely in one of his quotes. It was basically like, you know, the NHL is really prioritizing, quote, irrelevant things like a competitive edge over the human being, right? And I think that's a great quote. I think it basically sums it up. And, you know, this is an attitude that the NHL has had, you know, basically throughout the pandemic now uh, in terms of handling, you know, we've talked about the bubble. They promised a bunch of stuff. And from all reports, uh, especially in, I think it was the Western bubble, they really didn't deliver. Um, And yeah, it's just like this league is, I don't know, it really doesn't give the impression that it's that concerned about the well-being of its players. Uh, And, you know, it's really chasing that TV money which, frankly, it always has. Um, but, you know, it sucks to see because, yeah, you talk about, like, competitive edge. Who the hell cares? Um, these are, you know, it's like it's the same thing with, like, these these COVID protocols. Like, you know, like, prioritize the safety and the well-being of these players as people before, you know, uh, the freaking the game of hockey, you know? Like, even as fans, um, as much as we love watching the games and all that, like, you know... It's much more important to, like, you know, have your conscience at peace while you're freaking watching the thing so you don't feel guilty over the fact that, you know, we're talking about the mistreatment of workers here. Uh, so, yeah, it sucks to see. But, you know, when has the NHL ever kind of, like, done this kind of good thing for its players, you know? Uh, it never really has. And so, mm-hmm. you know, this is, this is much of the same if you ask me, you know? Yeah, yeah, so I, you go back to the bubble uh, and... You know, throughout the season, really, honestly, with this handling of the pandemic uh, and the different outbreaks, and then down to this, uh, just when you thought maybe, you know, the protocols relaxed because everybody's, you know, people are getting vaccinated. They're like, we're going to wait till, you know, everybody's vaccinated. So there's no competitive edge. Like, honestly, who gives a fuck about competitive edge? Because especially considering that, like, none of the playoff races are that particularly interesting anyways, but that's besides the point. Um, It just, it's all very... uh, you know, it's it's not a good look. It sucks. Yeah, it does suck. Um, should we hard pivot over to teams clinching playoff spots now? 
we can make the COVID turn instead and stick on some, you know, some more sadder news. Uh, because, yeah, you know, the IHF, the IHF uh, decided like with like just a couple weeks before the event to cancel the Women's World Championship. Uh, because I think it was, I think it was the Nova Scotian government who ordered them because they're, they're seeing some outbreaks or something like that and increasing cases. So they decided to scrap the thing. And yeah, understandably, the women's players are very, uh, very angry and frustrated because, you know, the second year this is, this event has been canceled. And not only that, it really just doesn't seem like the IHF is really trying to get this event go undergoing, uh, you know, underway, uh, because, you know, during a pandemic, it seems a pretty wise idea to have a sort of backup plan, uh, especially with outbreaks and whatnot. And, you know, they managed to get a number of men's tournaments under the way already uh, and completed, I think, you know, the men's world championship is, you know, in the works. And we also have the U20 and all that, but not the women's world championship. It seems uh, we haven't heard anything in terms of uh, a possible rescheduling right now. It seems like they've canceled the whole tournament for the year. And, uh, yeah, just another just another example here of the IHF uh, doesn't seem to be taking women's hockey too seriously. If you did, you would have had some sort of contingency and not just been like, okay, two weeks out, that's it, we're calling it. Yeah, a lot of people don't want to call this what it is, which is misogyny. Um, look, what a lot of people are pointing to is the under-18 men's tournament, which is, by the way, I think about to start in Texas. I think it was set to go on at the exact same time as the Women's World Championship in Nova Scotia. That one is going to be going on as planned, and the Women's World Championship is uh, is canceled. If if that was the Men's World Championships that was going to be held in Nova Scotia under the same circumstances, I guarantee you they would have found a way to make it work. But as it turns out, uh, uh, the Women's World Championship is just isn't important enough to the IHF. Uh, women are not worth the effort. That's what they're thinking. And that's why it's canceled. It's really that simple. It sucks. Yep. Yeah, it does. Um, and yeah, when it comes down to it, that's what it was. If, if you wanted, if you really wanted to take it seriously, IHF, you would put in the time, you would put in the effort, uh, and you would put in the money to find a way to get this thing going. Because it is, after all, you know, the year's biggest event for, for you know, international women's hockey. And yeah, it's, it really seems that they don't really give a shit. And they're like, ah, well, it's canceled. You know, oh, they had an outbreak in Nova Scotia. All right, we'll just call it a day. We'll see you next year. Um, and that's really the impression that they're giving um, because it just doesn't seem like they are giving much effort. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. misogyny. That's what it is. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, I, I'll, people are going to like might hear this. I don't know like exactly what type of people listen to this on a regular basis. But some people I know would hear us saying something like that and say things about like, oh, yeah, well, well, women's hockey, it doesn't generate as much revenue because not as much not as many people watch it as men's hockey. And I'm going to ask you if you're thinking that, uh, why do you think that is that people don't watch it as much? Uh, maybe it's because they're misogynistic, too. Or, OK, no, I'm not going to pin that on people who like don't necessarily watch women's hockey. Um, it's because it's harder to make the effort to watch women's hockey because you do have to make an effort to watch women's hockey, which is a problem. Men's hockey, at least in Canada is constantly being shown to you uh, on TV. You're constantly being, being advertised to you. Oh, you can watch this game at this time uh, here. You can listen to this podcast like ours, for example, where we talk almost exclusively about men's hockey. And if these networks at the IHF, if you know, IHF TSN Sportsnet, um, made the effort to actually promote women's hockey as something that's really that's really entertaining because it is, 
then guess what? You know what would happen? More people would watch it. If if TSN, you know, bought the but I well, I guess they do have the rights to the women's world championships. If they if they uh marketed it more, if I, I don't know, does Sportsnet have like some sort of deal with the NWHL coming up? I'm not exactly sure. I feel like there was something. But anyway, yeah, I think you get the idea, which is that if networks put in the effort to promoting women's hockey more, people are going to watch it more. If they put money into this this product, then people are going to be attracted to it uh, because that's just how it works. If people are told to watch something, most, most of the time they're going to watch it. People are stupid. And if they get and if they don't get told to watch something, then they're probably not going to watch it. That, that's just how it works. Remember the NHL in like the 1940s was on the brink of folding. It's not like they've been some sort of, you know, massive corporation throughout their, the entirety of their existence. All right. They had to have people pump money into their, their brand also for, in order for it to survive over a hundred years. So, uh, so yeah, there, that's my piece on that. Right. Yeah. So like, like any, because, you know, historically people have, you know, women's hockey, uh, because of the sexism in the sport just hasn't been prominent at all. And as with any newer sport, you got to pump money in it. As you said, every money, every league, every new league needs a big investment. If you, if you want it to succeed, uh, you need to get it in front of people to begin with. And that's not going to be profitable. Um, it never is for any league, uh, when, when you're starting off. And so, you know, to give that kind of excuse of like, oh, well, you know, it's because they don't generate re- revenue. Well, no league ge- generates much revenue at all when, you know, they're just starting off, especially when, you know, that part of the sport has experienced decades and decades of sexism and discrimination against it. So, you know, it's, it's yeah, you, you need the investment. And it seems that right now, uh, a lot of, you know, like for the freaking international governing body of the sport, doesn't want to put that kind of investment into the sport and uh, into women's hockey. And it is, it is very disappointing because it is a, it's a very exciting product. Heck, you know, there's less of that, you know, oh, we're going to hit you kind of bullshit uh, that we, you know, it's, there's a lot, you know, I would say it's a lot more skill-based than even the NHL. Uh, so it's not that the product isn't entertaining. That's definitely not the case. It's just that there hasn't been enough money that's been pumped up into the sport. And as with any other sport uh, in the industry, you need initial. You need the initial uh, money to get pumped in. It's not happening, and so, you know, that's there's there's the direct cause and effect there. Mm-hmm. Are you really going to tell me that a sport where Canada and USA are not only playing each other almost always in the gold medal game, but also they they have a player on each team that are married to each other? Are you going to tell me that's not entertaining? Really? That, that's that's some real soap opera stuff, all right? It's Julie Chu and uh, the other names escaping me. But anyway, I think that's absolutely hilarious because I'm pretty sure they have played each other before at the World Championship. Um, but anyway, uh, let's move on. Let's move over to the NHL standings because teams are starting to clinch. And I didn't see this coming. I didn't realize we were this close to the end of the season that teams were going to be starting to clinch. But Vegas was the first one. And so far, I think it's only three teams that have clinched. And they're all in the West Division. Vegas, Colorado, and who would have called the third team to clinch a playoff spot being Kirill Kaprizov and, and his Minnesota Wild? Uh, I would say Cam Talbot and the Minnesota Wild. Uh, but that's just a minor technicality. And Nick uh, Benino yeah, so and his Minnesota <laughs> Wild. <laughs> of course. Uh, and so... Yeah, so let's. I guess we'll do our standing segment because we haven't done it in a while. Uh, yeah. Just a playoff stretch edition. And yeah, so we'll start in the West. As you said, the Knights, the Avalanche, and the Wild have clinched. And yeah, the West stinks, aside from those three teams. Uh, all five of them 
from the Coyotes to, you know, somewhat surprisingly the Blues. And then obviously all three California teams at the bottom there. Uh, they're not good at all. And if you look at their, literally in their last 10 games, none of them have been above 500. Um, most of them have only had three wins and they're all three and seven. Uh, and so in terms of entertainment value, this, uh, this division doesn't offer much. And whoever gets the fourth place spot, whether it's, you know, the freaking Coyotes of all the entertaining, the unentertaining teams that there could possibly be that make the playoffs, uh, the Coyotes or the Blues, uh, they're just fighting for the right to get completely pummeled by uh, whoever it is between the Avalanche and the Golden Knights, or maybe even the Wild, who uh, take that top seed. I'm kind of torn on who I'm rooting for between Arizona and St. Louis, because it looks like one of them will get those last two spots. I think the numbers are in St. Louis's favor. On one hand, with the Coyotes, yep. it would be so nice for their fans who've had to, you know, suffer for so long, especially through all that, you know, OEL stuff and the Mitch Miller shit that happened. Like, for them to finally, you know, see a success, somewhat successful team and that they make the playoffs, not that they're any good, uh, that would be nice for them. On the other hand, uh, for the people who actually run that team, uh, I don't wish them any sort of success. So, in, in that sense, you know, kind of torn there. Um, but yeah, that's honestly not to take anything away from the wild, but the reason they did clinch so early is because the teams that are chasing them are like almost 20 points back. So yeah, but you know what? I'll give credit to the wild. They're a fucking good team now. You know, they hold their own against the Knights and the Avalanche. It's definitely not a big gap between, you know, them and the two teams above them. They're a genuinely good team. This is not, you know, the mediocre wild of the past literally 20 years. Um, it's a, it's a good team. It's a damn good team, you know? And, you know, whoever it is they face in the first round, I think they'll give them a solid run for, run for their money because, you know, they play a really good system. It's always been like that with the Wild. You know, they have a nice defensive system. They have a great goaltender in tandem. Honestly, Kapanen has been great on top of Talbot. And, I mean, Kirill Kaprizov. What more is there to say? Calder Locke. Um, and, yeah, it's just, it, you know, it's, it's more, I think it's more than, oh, the five teams below them stink. because. Like, even if it was, like, you know, a quote-unquote normal season with your regular division alignments, I think they still would have made the step forward. It's legitimately a very good team. Um, and they've taken significant steps forward, not just because of the strength of the division, although, can't deny that helped. Um, but, yeah. And, and as for who I pick to, to, to make it to the next round, um, you know, as much as I feel bad for the six Coyotes fans that there are, um, I <laughs> can't bear cheering for them. Not only because they're, under, uh, you know, not exciting, but also because, you know, as he said, their management is a bunch of morons who, you know, don't know how to run a franchise and are morally bankrupt, drafting an idiot like uh, and a racist like uh, Mitch Miller. And so, yeah, I'm going to have to take the Blues as much as it pains because I don't like the, the Blues much either, you know, uh, with their clown as their goaltender. Um, but it is what it is. And they're just going to be swept in. Uh, they'll be swept in the first round of the playoffs anyways. So, yeah, that's where we stand. I'm sure for the Blues for that final spot. At least the Blues off Marco Scandella can cheer for him. Uh, True. Fun friend of ours. Not really a friend, uh, but you met him once when you were a small child. Anyway, uh, let's move over to the Central Division, where I think some other teams are, are very close to uh, to clinching playoff spot. Carolina, I think, is pretty much just like one win away, something like that. Uh, Florida, Tampa Bay, not that far behind. Um, similar to the West here, there is a race for the last spot. Nashville is two points ahead of Dallas and Dallas has two games in hand. Uh, Chicago kind of has an outside chance, but it's not looking too good for them. It's really between Nashville and Dallas there. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think this is the most interesting race um, out of the, uh, well, you know, it's not, it's a very low bar this year. 
just based on how it's gone. But I think, you know, Stars versus Predators is probably the spiciest matchup because, you know, they're not they're not very good, but they're not outright bad, I think, as, you know, the Blues and the Coyotes. So, you know, there's it's interesting in that respect. Um, and you know, the Blackhawks are finished. I'm not even going to count them. Like their, their schedule is completely fucking brutal. Uh, it's, they basically play the hurricanes, Panthers and lightning for the rest of the season, save for maybe like two games at the end against the stars. So, you know, and they haven't been good against all, any of those three teams. Honestly, none of the bottom five teams have been good against the hurricanes, the Panthers or the lightning. That's just the way the season's gone. And so, you know, the Blackhawks, I've already counted them out. And so, you know, between the Predators and the Stars, yeah, it's very interesting. Both of them are kind of on nice little hot runs. You know, six six wins for the Preds, seven wins for the Stars in the last 10. And, yeah, it's interesting how the Stars have kind of, like, come back. You know, they were, like, you know, very much in the basement. And so, who do I pick? Hmm. It's a good question. You know what? Uh, I'm going to go with... The Predators, because I think it's, I think I'd love to see David Poole get some more years as general manager. And I think he gets that if, you know, the Predators manage to make the playoffs. You know, he didn't sell. He didn't sell. So good for him. He earned that final right to get swept by the Hurricanes in the first <laughs> round of the playoffs. Uh, attaboy, David Poyle. And so I think that keeps with the job. And I'm totally down for that. Uh, yeah, that's, that's where my head's at right now. The interesting thing with Nashville, I think, is. You know, I kind of hope they miss. I think I'm going to be rooting for Dallas. Uh, I hope Nashville misses because they had a golden opportunity at this deadline to sell some really high-value pieces uh, like Ekholm. There was even some Ryan Ellis rumors. They probably weren't going to trade Forsberg, but man, they they would have gotten such a haul if they traded Philip Forsberg. Are you kidding me? And they really could have kicked off a rebuild into high gear with some great pieces moving forward into the future. Instead, they go in a nice little 10-game hot stretch and the entire game plan changes. They're like, oh, we might make the playoffs now, and I hope it backfires on them. Really, I hope their idiocy of taking a small sample size to decide the entire future of the franchise uh, I hope that backfires and that they don't even get the chance to get swept by the Hurricanes in the first round. So I guess I'm not really rooting for Dallas as much as I'm just rooting against Nashville. Um, but you bring up a good point that it would be kind of funny to see David Poyle stick around. Uh, so I guess that would be the the silver lining if if Nashville did make it. Yeah, we're kind of commenting on the same thing, but taking two different approaches. It's that the Senators, completely mired in mediocrity, should have sold off. Predators? But instead they've got on this, this what's that? You said Senators. Oh, that is it. Oops, I said Senators. I meant Predators. It rhymes. Forgive me. Um, and uh, <laughs> go into a poem. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so you know the Predators, uh, they they go on this you know, little streak, unsustainable hot streak, and you know you think it, they deserve or you know quote unquote to uh, miss the playoffs because of their gaff. And I think it'd just be fucking hilarious if they made the playoffs only to get swept, but they call it a moral victory and they keep the general manager in place <laughs> for another couple of years. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, look yeah. at the bottom of the standings. I just want to shout yes. out one team. It's the Columbus Blue Jackets, all right, who have somehow managed to fall behind the freaking Detroit Red Wings in the standings by somehow losing eight games in a row. Um, and so the Columbus Blue Jackets, who were supposedly on the bubble just maybe like two, three weeks ago of making the playoffs. Oh, they're, you know, all the scrappy Blue Jackets, you know, they're always in the mix. Psych, they freaking stink. Um, you know, three points behind the Red Wings with a game in hand. And uh, yeah, eight games in a row they've lost. They're 1-8-1 and one, their last 10. And uh, yeah, the wheels have completely fucking fallen off. 
Nobody's playing well. Their goalies have stunk all season. Patrick Line trades a bust. John Tortorella stinks. His defensive system stinks. It's uh it's a really funny time just to kind of see the Blue Jackets in complete free fall. Yeah, I was definitely going to bring up the Blue Jackets as well because I saw the other night, like, Blue Jackets officially eliminated from playoff contention. I was like, when did that happen? I thought they were still <laughs> in the mix. Uh, so I just looked right now. They have two wins in their last 17 games, not just the eight L's in a row. They've been bad for about a month or even a little bit over a month. They've just been absolutely bottom of the barrel awful. And I think what it comes it comes down to John Tortorella, and not just that, but Yamro Kekalainen um, has, over the past year or so, in the acquisition of players like Patrick Laine and Max Domi has tried to build a team that is not at all compatible with John Tortorella's coaching style. And that's more of a fault of Tortorella's, I would say, than Kekalainen. I think this is more of Kekalainen being like, all right, I'm going to try to acquire some star power like Patrick Laine. Can you make it work, John? And John said, no, Yarmo, I can't make it work. Uh, Max Domi, I think, was even a healthy scratch like twice in a row or something the other night um, so, or the other several nights. So that's how it's going in Columbus. I still do think that if they can bring in a competent coach, probably not Claude Julien, considering he had that beef with Mac Domi, and to be honest, I don't really blame him. Uh, but if they can, if they bring in, I don't know, a, a, a Bruce Boudreaux type, something like that, who I think could definitely make it work with Patrick Laine, considering he made it work with Ovechkin all those years. Um, I'm not saying Laine is as good as Ovechkin, but they're a similar style for sure. I think Columbus could, you know, get, get out of the climb out of the basement, but man, this has been so terrible for this past past month and a half for Columbus. They're really like on paper. Do they suck that bad that they're going to fall beneath the Detroit Red Wings? Are, are you serious? Really? Really? And I mean, yeah, what's up with the goaltending too is probably, you know, kind of been a big question mark. I don't know what they're going to do there moving forward, but yeah, uh, Columbus sucks and they're not going to make the playoffs. You know, it's kind of, I feel like it kind of, that's a rightful place in the world, don't you think? At the bottom of the standings, Columbus. Like, the first oh, several years of my hockey fandom. Yeah, it just feels correct when Columbus is last in their division. Yep, that's exactly where they belong. Uh, and, you know, if there was any question whether Tortorello is coming back, you know, because that was the thing, right? Because when they were hanging in there, oh, he's, he's getting them to play above their, they're punching above their weight. Um, yeah, yeah, this, they're, they're not anymore uh, at all. And so he's not coming back. Uh, it's over. Uh, you almost should have fucking chucked him into the ocean a while ago because, as we said, uh, this kind of feels like vindication, you know, for uh, because we've talked we talked about how you know Tortorella for all the talk, you know, oh his defensive system is good. Yeah, he drives away star players, and so maybe you can get some some meat. You can maybe put them in that fourth playoff spot, and sure, there's value in that. But when it comes down to it, uh, if you drive away star players, it's not happening. You're not going anywhere fast, uh, and. That's all Tortorella does, clearly. That's his specialty. And so, you know, to see him in the bottom of the standings, his team's going to, he's going to get fired or he's not going to get his contract renewed. It's nice to see because he's also an asshole. Uh, and also, yeah, good for Yarmo. He really, uh, he got all those assets back. And I can compliment on that. You know, if, if not for uh, not firing Tortorella soon enough, uh, you know, getting all those first round picks, hats off to him. I guess he recognized that this team is a complete fucking tire fire. I have a hot take. Um, mm-hmm. I guess this is also kind of a segue over to the East Division. My hot take is Buffalo's going to hire John Tortorella in the offseason. Wow. Um, yeah, Ooh. there we go. There it is. Like, oh, because oh no one else is going to want him, of course. And and the Pagulas or Kevin Adams or whoever seem like, oh, yeah, we need someone to, to wake up our players. And Tortorella's going to come and be like, all right, Jack Eichel, 
uh, why don't you never leave the defensive zone? And he's going to be like, fuck you, John. I'm going to get traded now. Uh, and that's going to happen. And if you think, if you thought Jeff Skinner was in the doghouse before with, uh, with Ralph Kruger, just wait till John Tortorella gets his hands on him. Jesus Christ. Oh, and, uh, Casey Middlestad. Yeah. Uh, he's not going to see more than like five games the entire season. Oh man. I kind of hope it happens now. That would just be the worst fit I could possibly imagine. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, John Tortorella with the Sabres. Make it happen, please. Although I don't know if Dwayne from Buffalo could take it anymore. Um, oh yeah, that's true. He might have to cancel his fandom, and so will all Buffalo Sabres fans. But <laughs> yeah, it would be worth the price of admission. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that that's a nice little shift to the East Division. I guess we can start from the bottom up now, since we're already there with the Sabres. Um, yeah. It seems that they have company. Oh my goodness, look at them. Uh, the Devils mired in a little long ass losing streak of their own, nine games in a row. Uh, somehow find themselves only one point above the Buffalo Sabres with a game in hand. Uh, feat which is completely remarkable. I mean, you know, to the Sabres' credit, they have completely uh, bucked the 40-point pace or the 27-point pace, which they were at earlier. They've won four out of 10 games, which is an incredible achievement for the Buffalo Sabres. Um, <laughs> but even then, the Devils being one point away from the Sabres uh, is uh, weird, I think, because, uh, yeah, I didn't know it was possible to get that close to the Sabres in the standings. Uh, yeah, sorry, I was just counting. Uh, looks like Buffalo is 500 in their last 12 games. They're like six and seven in the month of April or something like that. So they really turned it around. Look at them go. And meanwhile, the Devils have just been a, a, in a total free fall, especially since the trade deadline, trading, you know, Palmieri, Travis Ajak. Um, I feel like Kulikov also. Yeah, I don't know if you saw right after the deadline, they had, uh, I think like their oldest forward was like 26-year-old Andreas Janssen. And their average age was like that of like a, a college hockey team. It was like twenty three or twenty two or something like that, which is crazy. Uh, and, you know, and it's not like it was star studded either. I mean, yeah, Hughes and Hishier are pretty good, but then a lot of it was like Mikhail Maltsev and like Nathan Bastian and and players like that who are probably never going to amount to much more than like bottom six forwards. Uh, and I mean, they were playing all around the lineup, so the Devils suck. And you know. Here's my new hot take. Uh, Buffalo is going to pass the Devils by the end of the season. And the Devils oh. are going to finish last. After that 18-game losing streak, wouldn't that be something if Buffalo didn't finish last in the NHL? Incredible. And then they'll, you know, just... They'll... And they're actually... Oh, <laughs> and then sorry, the Devils are going to win the draft close... lottery. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. of course. Uh, the Sabres are actually kind of close to passing the Ducks, too. They're only two points behind with the same amount of games mm-hmm. played. So does Buffalo make the, the great climb up to 29th in the NHL? Could be done. <laughs> Hold on to your hats, folks. This is the most exciting playoff part. Of, <laughs> this is the big part, race. Yeah. exciting part of the, of the playoff push. Uh, who's coming last? I mean, yeah, it's it's interesting eh? because, like, you know, everybody's in their little bubble, uh, their little division bubble. So there's no real crossover. So it's like... It's really like it's measuring how bad you are relative to your division more than anything. Uh, and uh, yeah, so Sabres and Devils versus Ducks. It's like the ultimate showdown. And yeah, one of them one of them is going to end up with uh, with the, I hope it's the I hope it's the Sabres. Watch. They're going to they're going to have the third best odds. They're going to lose the lottery. A couple teams are going to hop and they're going to finish with the fifth pick after losing 18s in a row. 18 in a row. That's all I wish for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, factory of sadness continues. Anyways, that'd be more uh, fun in the year. Like uh, that'd be. Oh, sorry. I was just say about the draft. That'd be more no, fun in like most other years. But this year, like 
honestly, from like one to eight, there's barely any difference between between the value of the picks. Oh, yeah, maybe maybe like the top, like Owen Power seems to kind of distance himself a little bit as like the number one, but like beyond that, like the rest of the top ten is pretty much an even playing field. Uh, so eh, I guess we'll talk about that once we get closer to the draft. Let's uh, yeah, go ahead with the the rest of the East Division. Okay, so you know uh, the Flyers. Not much to talk about here other than they kind of suck. So, uh, you know, they're firmly in, what is it, fifth place now? Sixth place. Wow. Sixth. Sixth place. So they just haven't been able to get it going. You can blame Carter Hart for that. You can blame Alain Vigneault for that. Um, and it's a very talented roster, but all season they've just kind of stunk because, yeah, the goaltending stinks and the coaching stinks, and that'll sink you. Um, and for the playoff race, frankly, it's not very exciting. Um, you know, it's, there's, there's a fight up there at the top, you know, who's going to win the division, uh, caps, penguins, maybe even the Islanders, who knows? Uh, and for that fourth spot, it seems that the Bruins have got it pretty locked up. They got a couple games in hand against the Rangers. Uh, and you know, they haven't been playing poorly at all. They have a whole bunch of goaltenders now, apparently Jeremy Swayman, we've talked about him, but uh, now they've got like three competent goalies they can play on any given night. Uh, and, uh, the Rangers are just, they're all right. All right. But they're six points back. The dream is dead. And so in terms of playoff spots, so I really wasn't kidding. In terms of uh, exciting races, it's really the race to the bottom in this division that's more exciting than anything. Uh, <laughs> it seems pretty uh, almost set in stone here. Yeah, uh, pretty much. It's really just seeing how those top four teams shake out. And then we head over to the North Division, uh, where Toronto still has a very firm hold at the top. They haven't clinched yet. And the Senators aren't even fully mathematically out of it yet either, though I'm sure that'll be coming pretty soon. Uh, they only have eight games left, though. Uh, which means, all right, let me do some quick math here. If they win all those games, then they would end up with, with 54 points. Uh, Montreal is right now sitting at 49. Uh, so it's probably, you know, at least a week away for Ottawa to get that little E next to their name here on, on tsn.ca, which is uh, much better than NHL.com for standings, I think, because it actually denotes the teams that are mathematically out of it. So I don't have to count by myself like I just did. Anyway... Uh, we talked about this in the Montreal context earlier in the episode. Uh, Calgary now uh, has played one more game than Montreal, but they're only four points back. Meanwhile, Vancouver uh, has played five fewer games than Montreal, and they are eight points back. And, you know, if we were just looking at this without any context, we'd be like, wow, Montreal sure does look like they have a pretty strong hold on things. Uh, but we know better. I'm not holding my breath. Uh, and, you know, I'm I'm not even approaching the territory of, I mean, sorry, I am approaching the territory of not even necessarily expecting them to hold on to that spot anymore. You just feel like I don't have faith in them, in them winning any games moving forward. And we okay, I guess we're kind of circling back to the negative stuff we were talking about early in the episode, but like I don't believe in them. No, me neither. Uh, and uh, certainly not with the schedule. They got a couple games against the Senators left, and we know what they do against the Senators. Uh, and yeah, so I mean, I understand mathematically, uh, what is it? 70 something percent chance to make the playoffs. And, you know, and any given year, you'd be like, oh, that's pretty good. But as you said, I have absolutely no faith in this team who, as I've said, they are so gassed, uh, and they also suck. And the roster is, they're just, the depth is not there anymore because of how, uh, their cap crunch and the roster limitations and all that. So I, at this point. I would not be surprised at all. I would be I would be sad, and I would be quite pissed if they missed the playoffs, but I wouldn't be surprised at this point. Uh, and, you know, the thought of the Vancouver Canucks making the playoffs over the Habs this year is, uh, frankly, pretty funny. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I'm open to it. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, and I mean Edmonton and Vancouver. Sorry, not Vancouver. Edmonton and Winnipeg. Uh, they're they're kind of a fun little thing. See who's in that home ice there and that almost certain first round matchup. Uh, but besides yep. that, uh, no races are really that interesting in the North at the moment. Um, and with that note, I believe it is time to segue into our draft segment. And once again, I will reiterate, this is not the NHL draft segment. This is the hour draft where we draft something miscellaneous, a topic that we select. And this is our third one. And the one we picked this week is months of the year. Exactly. So uh, it seems like a pretty classic and straightforward thing to draft the months. We have 12, six each by the end of it, I believe. And uh, yeah, there's not much to explain. Nice um, and uh, other than I will completely crush you. And uh, also, we need to decide who's picking first. All right. I think it's my turn to pick first. Uh, if we're going to go with I that so alternation yeah. thing. Yeah. All right. Absolutely wonderful. All right. With my first pick, I'm going to select uh, the most unique month of the year. The month of December. The last month of the year. Everyone loves December. All right. Uh, you get, you get, you know, your time off from school. You get the holidays. A lot of people celebrate holidays. You get uh, the World Juniors. Who doesn't love the World Juniors? Uh, and, of course, you get New Year's Eve, uh, which is a day that I find to be very enjoyable. Um, December, uh, of course, you know, you have those lights all around. Makes you feel so good, you know. A lot of people get very nostalgic about it. Um, so I think this is an absolute slam dunk. Can't miss first overall pick. Okay. It's not a bad pick, but I don't know about slam dunk. Because with my second pick... I'm going to select June. And I think there's an argument. You know, they were actually on top of my board. June was above December. It was number one. And so I was glad you took uh, you took December there. Because, you know, look, you have December break. And sure, that's great. You get off school. But it's nothing compared to June break because you're done for the summer, baby. And you can celebrate, you know, all of June. Okay, so it's either one of two things. You're either in school or you're not already and you've already finished. If you're not, it's the first if you're not in school, you finished in May. Um, it's just it's party time. It's the first month of summer. Uh, you're completely burnt out and you're just having a ball. And it's just party all day, every day. And if you're not, if you're like, you know, in high school or elementary school or some shit and you finish like deep June, well, all of June, you know, it's like everybody knows what's coming. You're counting down the days. Everybody's having fun, um, especially if you're on your road to graduation, you know, and the teachers are relaxed. It's just it's such a good time in June, you know, June for the school year, always year after year. Very fond memories for me in June. Uh, not only that, we also have the Stanley Cup finals. Very uh, not not to be forgotten, just way better than the world juniors i'll say uh because you get the stanley cup at the end uh not only that the wow. weather is the best of the year the we weather is the best of the year i mean that's the one thing about december that stinks the weather fucking stinks all right like it's it's you most of the time it's not even like snow snow you know it's not even like refreshing cold it's like icky cold you know and uh, we're talking about, like, slush and, like, who knows what's going on, especially with global warming. It's, like, sometimes it's above freezing and it's, like, you know, it's wet and gross everywhere. You can't wear shoes. But you don't really want to wear winter boots either because there's not much snow on the ground. And it's also cold. And it's just, it's not a great time. Also, um, mind you, the, the days are the shortest you'll ever see in the year if you live in, uh, up here in the that's northern the hemisphere. I believe that's how it works. Yeah, but, like, you know what's my favorite light? The sun. All right? Uh, and so, you know, with December, it's just like, you know, it just, it makes you sad. And sad stands for seasonal affective disorder or something like that. Um, or, you oh, know, okay, or okay. I don't know. 
please. All right, I don't know what that stands friend. for, but it's the one where you're sad Nights during the winter. Nights. And June, nobody has that. Nobody has that. It's the summer. The long days are the longest. The sun goes down at like nine o'clock. You can party until then if there's no curfew. And so, okay, hell yeah, June, okay, okay. number one overall pick, if you ask me. All right. All right, June is definitely a very nice month. Uh, but there's Thank a reason you. I didn't pick it first, and that's because June and the month I'm about to pick are extremely similar and essentially the same to pretty much everyone. And that's why I'm picking May Wrong. Uh, with this next pick. What? And here's what, all right, May, all right. First of all, the vast majority of our audience, or, or at least somewhat the majority, and including both of us, uh, we're both in CJEP, we're about to be finished, and then we're going to be in university. Uh, and everything you said about June, about like school either already being done for the entire month or starting to wind down, that's exactly true for us about May. All right. And CJEP, uh, we both end around the beginning of May. At least I do, actually. I'm not sure if I totally remember your schedule. Around the beginning of May. So in May, it's like, all right, school's about to finish. And then party time, vacation is starting. And for many universities, uh, it ends in April. So May is the first full month of summer vacation. All right. And the thing you said about the weather in June, I prefer May weather. Uh, because for, first of all, April showers bring May flowers. All right. It's the start of that, that summer's coming blooming season. All right. It's wonderful. You know, the, the, the spring and all that. All right. Everything's fresh and everything's new and it's not too hot. All right. I mean, of course there's the occasional hot day in May, but in general, June has way more, way more days where I'm like, Oh, you know, this is kind of, you know, starting to get a little bit too hot for me. I want to go inside to the AC. Whereas May, there's, there tends to be a little bit more of a, a, a nice breeze. And I don't know about you, but I much prefer that to just the scorching hot sun all day. So that's why May is my second pick. I don't know about that one, Chief. If you ask anybody on the street, hey, when does summer vacation end? Who the fuck is saying May? Nobody. Doesn't and matter also, what they say. I, the I'm showing you the facts I don't know. that May I don't know is, what is when you go to. summer vacation starts. I don't know what CJF you go to, but yes, May is do. hell. All right. So much work. So much work. Anyways. Okay, all right, moving on. June is exam it's, it's, period at a bunch of high schools. Yeah, but like, you know, it's high, high school. It's, what are you talking about? It's okay. It's okay. You know, like June is it's a chill. It's chill. The exams are much more relaxed. The workload is much reduced. All right, you have the exams. But anyways, I'm not going to debate this. Uh, I think it's a pretty bad pick. But, you know, it's not terrible, but I think it's mediocre. Anyways, moving on. Uh, you know, I took a summer month. I think I need to move to, uh, hmm, where am I going to go? You know what? I'll go with... Uh, I'll go with October. I'll go with October. Um, what? I think it's... Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. ridiculous. No, it's not. It's actually perfect. Now, listen what to What are me. you talking right, first about? Of all, October? You have Halloween. You have Halloween. All right, Halloween. Very underrated Wait, holiday. Everyone likes right? Halloween. That's what overrated are you talking about? holiday. What are you, a 14-year-old? Oh, I'm too old for Halloween. Get the fuck out of here. All the adults in the room know Halloween's a blast. All right? You, get, you have an excuse? To eat a bunch of candy, all right? It's a good time. And, you know, costumes and all that. Everybody loves it. And also, you know, October, it's nice. It's not too cold. It's not November cold. So, you know, realistically, it's like, uh, what do they call it? Sweater weather. Uh, and then the it's very nice outside. You have the colors. It's like orange. It's a whole thing, you know? And it's it's nice. It's very nice. October's a very nice month. Uh, and there's almost never any snow. It's just, you know, it's not very rainy particularly here. And so you just... You just kind of like, it's it's a nice month. It's a nice month, man. You know, you're like kind of settling into things. There's lots of sports going on. You know, hockey starting. Uh, there's there's football starting. And it's just, it's it's a good time. You know, October, you have your like season-ending barbecue or whatever. It's a good time. 
October. All well, way. October, it's not. It doesn't suck, but fourth overall, that's kind of crazy. Especially when you have July still available, which is exactly what I'm gonna oh pick. My God. I think. I think no, no. Who I can't believe that you would head over to the fall before you finish drafting these summer vacation months. Everyone knows that summer vacation is the best time of year because we don't have school. It's really that simple. Not to mention, in July, we got free agent frenzy. All right. Uh, everyone loves that, especially, you know, the people listening to this podcast, probably. You know, exciting stuff. All right. Uh, and you, you hang out with friends. You know, you got Canada Day. You can have those fun parties or whatever. July, it's open to so just do whatever you want. And October, you're talking about all these, like, specific things about, like, oh, yeah, yeah, football season's starting, hockey season's starting. You know, hockey season goes on for a long time, all right? July, summer vacation is short. And to have an entire month that is not bound by by restrictions is absolutely wonderful and an absolute steal here at fifth overall. All right. Questionable. You know, even October, if you're talking about school, it's pretty relaxed in October. It's really November and December where it wraps up. But, you know, that's besides the point. It's July's a nice pick. I'm not going to knock on it too hard. It's all right. It's a summer month. I agree. Okay. Uh, next off, hmm, the question is, do I finish the summer month? So I go with August. Uh, but I'm going to say no. You know what? I'm, I'm good on the summer months. I get June. I get a stud at number one, and uh, it's over. So yeah, I'm going to go with January. All right? Uh, quality, quality winter month. I mean, New Year's Day. It starts off on the best fucking possible note. All right? January 1st, every single year is New Year's Day. And, like, that's always a good time. You know, I argue that New Year's Day is better than New Year's Eve because you wake up and it's, like, fresh year. You got a whole year ahead of you, all 365 days. And, you know, it's, it's, it's good. It's a good time. And, yeah, New Year's Day just has a nice, you know, has a nice vibe to it. Uh, you got to get used to, like, you know, writing the correct year. Like, oh, it's already 2021. What the hell do you know? Um, that's cool. And, you know, besides that, January is where it starts getting, as I kind of alluded to it when I was, like, roasting December, is it gets refreshingly cold, you know? Okay, December, all right, and, and to a certain and more November, actually, um, you know, it's like you don't even know what the hell to wear. All right. It's like, do I wear a ja- jacket, like a fall jacket, a, a sweater? You're always fucking cold and wet and it's miserable. All right. January, on the other hand, you know, it's usually, you know, now we're talking about it's getting really cold and you know what to wear. You're wearing your full winter gear and you're not cold in your full winter gear. You feel you, if you wear everything, you're nice and cozy. All right. Uh, and, you know, the snow's out there and you're not wet if you dress properly. Uh, and so, and, you know, the air is dry. I like the dry air of the winter. You know, it's like, Ah, minty. And then you can go skating outside. You can't fucking go skating in December. It's fucking melting half the time. Uh, and so it's a good time. January, I'd argue, is probably is definitely at, well. You know, it's up there in terms of uh, winter months. I think it's on par with December. So I'm getting serious value here in the third round. Uh, just to be clear, in your defense of your pick of January, you're saying you know it's going to be extremely cold no matter what. And did I hear that correctly? Basically, yes. That is absolutely ridiculous. All right, January is nowhere close okay. to December, right. and there are many reasons why that is. All right, first all right. of all, January, Outrageous. it's not refreshingly cold. I don't even know what that means. It's bitter cold. That's Well, I do know what refreshingly cold means. Refreshingly cold, that's what it tends to be uh, in, like, November and December, all right? What? or Or when it's a hot... Or when it's a hot day and you like, you know, you get into the pool, that can be refreshingly cold. The month of January is bitter cold, all right? That can be painful, all right? People can get frostbitten. Also, 
the main thing I want to bring up dress properly. That's that, the whole point. Okay. The main thing I brought up okay. with that with that January pick. Okay, for, before I get to that, uh, putting on like you know your heavy coat and your mittens and all that stuff, dressing warmly in January is such a hassle. I hate it so much. No one likes to do that. I don't know why you would bring that up as like, oh yeah, I love to put on all my clunky winter clothes, my my heavy winter boots, and then you know fling my snow everywhere when I get indoors and, and step on the puddle in my wet sock. Oh yeah, I love it so much. No one likes to do that. But the main thing I was gonna bring you up. You do that in January. You do that in December. What are you talking about? You're completely doing the that in December thing. too. It's just you're a bit more miserable. Who's miserable in December? Oh. Here's the thing. Everybody knows this that that seasonal depression uh, hits an all-time high every year in January. That's the pattern because you know people they have a good time in December. You know they're enjoying the holidays. The lights are out. And then for for many people. It all kind of ends after New Year's, and you know it. It, it still gets dark very early, but the difference is uh, everyone's got their lights away, so it's just dark, and people are sad, and they don't have, in many cases, anything to look forward to in the month of January. Uh, so honestly, I'm shocked that you would pick this in the first half of the draft. Really, January being a top half month. That's, That's honestly right. crazy yep. talk. And and I'm saying this no as someone who I think of myself as liking January more than most people because I like the, the World Juniors. My birthday is in January. Uh, and still I'm saying these things about it uh, in terms of definitely being in the lower half of months. So uh, so I think that was an absolutely ridiculous pick. And it pales in comparison to the month I'm going to take next, which is April. Everyone loves April. All right. Find someone who doesn't like April. You can't do it. Uh, especially, you Me. know, if we're going to talk about hockey. Uh, and, in uh, in typical years, you know, that's when the playoffs start and the first round of the NHL playoffs is an absolutely super fun time. You're talking about the start of the regular season as a reason to break October. That's like 5% as fun as the start of the playoffs. All right. With, with the eight rounds going on at the same time. All right. And here's also the same month when winter really is really coming to an end. And, you know, you start to get that nice rain smell that everybody loves. Everyone loves that rain smell. And, uh, you know, you're heading, we're starting to approach the end of the school year. And that feeling of anticipation, I would say, for summer vacation is nearly as good as actually being in summer vacation itself. So April is really just good vibes all around. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Um, okay, I'll make my pick first. Uh, so what do we have left? On the board, we have February, March, August, September, October. Oh, no, I picked October, November. So five months left. You know? Okay. Yeah, I think there's a pretty clear-cut clubhouse winner here. It's August. Uh, You get a nice nice summer month. And although there is a bit of school dread, that is a knock against October, the weather's wonderful. And, uh, you know, it's still summer. What the hell do I need to say? And uh, it's certainly better than the other months. I'll put it there. You know? Great pick. Yeah, the, the thing that I think about August that makes it decidedly worse than the other summer months is not just that dread of going back to school, but also the fact uh, that you do go back to school sometimes for like the, like 30% of the month, like or even more than that sometimes. Like August 20th, school starts sometimes. It's like, oh, this is supposed to be a summer month. Uh, so, I mean, fourth round, it's all right. Wait a, wait a second. I never said it was better than July. I never said it was better than June. I said it's better than what's left, and you cannot possibly argue that. Um, and also, mind you, I don't know who has a massive workload in fucking August. The answer is nobody. All right, you go in, you go to school, and like they give you, hey, here's a bunch of questions on the stuff you've already learned last year. Except I'm teaching it to you again, so it's even easier. 
So you know what? August school is honestly the best school. Um, and so and that's saying something. So let's you know no. let's, let's calm it down here on the August hate. All right. Uh, okay, maybe not the best school, but it's definitely best. You know, it's like it's a, it's maybe second best to the end of the semester. Um, so I, you know, August is. A I'm good actually time being fully sincere. Month. Okay. I'm actually being fully sincere when I say that like August school might be my least favorite type. Um, okay. Because because you know it's that first day. I tend to just not like first days of school, especially as much as I used to, because it's like, oh man, you know, summer really is over. Uh, and also there's like, you know, new classes, new teachers. It's like, you know, you got to be on edge a little bit, you know, you haven't fallen into your routine yet. It's like, oh man, kind of, you know, not so sure footy. So there we go. That's, that's another knock against August for you, but it's time for I me that one. All right. to make my go fifth ahead. pick. Uh, and I'm going to go with a month that is clearly better than all the ones here. And that is March. All right. March. First of all, uh, it's super fun to make jokes about, uh, on, you know, like when's the best time to March in March, uh, dumb shit like that. And also the fact that every single day in March is a sentence, March 1st, March 2nd, March 3rd, March 4th, March 5th. It's really, really funny. Uh, and also being in March, you know, it's fun. All right, you got March break or spring break, as you might call it on some parts of the world. Who doesn't love that? All right, March Madness. I know you're a big fan of that, uh, Tyse. In the sports world, you know, a lot of people really enjoy it. And I also, I have April on my team as well, which is the end of March Madness. Uh, and, you know, I think it's the, well, I don't think it's the end of winter. It is when winter ends. And, you know, no one, no one likes winter. And if winter ends in the month, then that must be a good sign. All right, well... First of all, I would like to point out that March is actually on the very bottom of my draft board. This was an undraftable month. 12th place was not going to draft them uh, because March is a terrible month. Um, You know, really, it's concerning that your first selling point is, oh, I can make bad jokes about it and make a sentence out of the name. Um, that's completely, that's a, that's a terrible selling point. And if that's the most fun you can get out of March, almost as bad as not it's really bitter cold fun. the whole time, almost as bad as selling point as it's really no, consistently bitter no. cold throughout the entire month. That was that was not my first selling point. All right. And I never said bitterly. It's that was bitter. a selling point. It's refreshing. It, it was, no, it but isn't. your first, your first March selling point was, I can say March 1st and it's a whole last sentence. All right. And that's that funny on March 1st. It's not funny on March 2nd anymore. All right. So your selling point is a phenomenon that lasts on one day. It's funny. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and it has decreasing value by the time. I don't know if you have any friends by the time March 31st rolls around. <laughs> If that's all you're talking about all March, and frankly, there is nothing else to talk about in March, so maybe that's what that is what you talk about. Um, maybe there's nothing to talk about. It's a about terrible March. March. Like St. Patrick's March Day, Madness. You got March break. You got March Madness. Ah, who's who's so fucking much. talking about St. Patrick's Day? What the hell are you talking about? Uh, I last time I checked, I don't remember the last time I had any sort of conversation about St. Patrick's Day before you talked about it just now. Um, and you know, March Madness grossly overrated. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not a huge fan of March Madness. It's fun. It's fun. You have it's fun. You know, it's it's cool. But you know, football is done, and you're sad about football. You know, nothing's going on. And then you know, March Madness. It's all right. But like, you know, basketball is kind of boring. If you ask me, you know, like it, it, the, the last, all the fun is concentrating in like last five minutes of the game. That's a hot take, I know. But you know, that's I'm putting that out there in the world. Uh, and you know, there's just nothing going on in March. And also, it's a giant fraud. All right. You're talking about the end of winter, all right? 
where I'm talking about all sorts of snow and misleading snow and puddles and snow. And it's like, you know, like, oh, you get a couple days, it's 10 degrees. And you're like, oh, that's cool. I haven't seen that in a while. And then the next day they hit you with five centimeters of snow and you just want to cry. You just want to cry. And March just makes you sad. And it's too long. And March break is nice, but it's also too short. And it's just, it's, it's a whole ass bad experience. And so, you know, March, it's a big X on my draft board. And I think you reached with that one, drafting it at all. Okay. All right. Now down to, uh, I'm down to what? February, September, November. Yeah, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with September. I think it's by far the best month out of the three that are remaining. Um, You know, it's not even close at this point. I mean, we're talking about fall. I've touted the benefits of October while September is just like that, but even a bit warmer. So that's nice too. You know, you can walk around in your t-shirts and shorts if you're feeling uh, like that's what you want to do and it's still acceptable and you won't catch hypothermia. Uh, you can't say that about freaking November. I'll tell you that. Uh, and so, you know, September, it's a great vibes month, you know, and it's, it's the, the weather's nice and you still got, you got some sports going on. You got the anticipation for some sports. It's nice. Let's go September. September was last on my list, actually, believe it or not. Uh, cause September okay. sucks. All right. So first of all, you do have that warm weather. But when you contrast the warm weather with the fact that it's not summer vacation anymore, it feels like the warm weather is just kind of making fun of you. Like, haha, it's still summer, kind of, but you have to be in school for it. Uh, so there, that's why September sucks. Uh, and that's why I'm going to pick, uh, with my last pick, uh, a month with actually good vibes. November. All right? November. I held off on it what? for a long time. I, I Here, oh let me tell God. you, I held off on it for a long time Atrocious because I knew you weren't going to like it, especially after you dunked on December. I was like, okay, there's no way he's ever taking November. And I was right. Well, let me tell That's you something, correct. all right? Here's the thing. Here's the thing with November. First of all, I think it's decisively better than February. So even if you don't like November that much, you'll agree at least that it's leaps and bounds out of February. I've had like one good February ever in my entire life, all right? February sucks. And here's the thing with November uh, is that everyone knows that December's coming. And I talked on and on about how great December is. And the fact that November is right before December, this uh, is, is adheres to what I spoke to before about the anticipation being almost as good as the actual payoff uh, for a particular month or a particular time of year. And throughout all of November, you know, like everyone's like, oh, it gets dark a little earlier, but soon the lights will be out and that'll be super fun. Oh, we're getting to the end of the semester and soon it'll be over. And you got this kind of like cool, like post-Halloween uh, pre-December atmosphere going on the whole time. It's like we're kind of in like, you know, ooh, the, uh, the oh, what's the word I'm looking for when you're like in between two states, like Schrodinger's cat or something. It's a very unique and distinctive time of year. I'm a fan of November. Okay. You're a fan of November. You went, you went so far. The only selling point for November is that my birthday is in it. And that's a very narcissistic that selling too. point. But, but that's it. That's you honestly to celebrate Tysha's um, birthday. It is a fun time. I agree. But that's only for one day. And then after that, it's kind of sucks. Well, not kind of. It does suck. Uh, because, listen, you, you sold like, oh, the, the, it's getting dark earlier. As if people say that with optimism. No. When has anybody said that with any sort of gleeful optimism? The answer is they all say that with extreme sadness. All right? And November, they there's no with extreme of sadness summer. in January. That's when they say it with extreme sadness no, that it gets dark early. It's January. True. That's not... What are you talking about? That's January literally gets... True. It literally gets brighter in January. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I don't know what, they, what, they what start, calendar you're following. 
but it gets longer starting from December 21st. So, uh, yeah, you've you got remember, the worst day okay, in your month. Yep. It gets longer throughout January, but if you take the times right. that it gets dark in January and compared to November, January does get dark earlier because the, the winter solstice is closer to January than November. So, like, uh, just because it gets progressively brighter, but it actually overall, the dark time is earlier in January. I took science. Okay, well, at least January has some redeeming qualities, something that November does not have. Um, there's just nothing going on, frankly. And if, you're, if your main selling point is anticipation for the next for an event that happens at the end of the next month, that is outrageous, all right? Um, and yeah, so really, November than, is just riding. Writing... I don't know. Like, oh, it's bitter cold. It's bitter cold in January. Isn't that great? I don't know what kind of... I don't know if I've ever seen anything ride the coattails of something else as hard as November rise the coattails of December. Um, and, you know, because it has nothing going on. Like, oh, well, my God. Like, what is something. there? January just sucks That's why I look forward to November. Like, the leaves aren't even there anymore. They're all gone. They're all brown and dead. And they're not on the trees anymore. The trees are naked. It's terrible. It's terrible. In November, all right, it's just, man, especially once you get to late November, it's like, oh, why am I even? All right. Why am I even yeah, turning the calendar? To... All right. Why don't you try right. to defend now, your February pick then if you, you right. hate November so all, much? Let's see if you can come up with yeah, anything. Yeah, okay. All right. So, um, you know, February, it's not a great month, but it's certainly better than other months like November and March. Now, listen to me. All right. February, all right, while it may not be the most pleasant of months, neither is March or November, and at least, you know, it ends quickly. And that's a good one. You know, 28, it's quirky. And also, it changes. It, like, it changes every few years, you know, leap years. Yeah, you know, like, who talks about leap years? Lots of people talk about leap years. And it's like a fun, quirky thing. Like, aha, 29 days, you know, it's so funny. It's a prime number. Uh, and, like, it's it's a good time, you know. Like, talking about leap years, it's quality. And you don't have to just talk about it. You know, you can talk about it at any time during the year. And when you do, you're just solely talking about February. Get some time in the sun, you know. And aside from that, you know, refreshingly cold. There's another selling point for February. It is still refreshingly cold. It is There's no ambiguity cold. about it. It's refreshingly cold. I don't know what world you live in, but I go outside, I go and I go to the park, I play some hockey, and the rink is frozen solid, very nice ice. It, that's February. You're talking about March, the ice sucks in March, all right, without, without exception. And so February is like prime hockey season if you're going outside. Uh, and refreshingly cold. I'm sure people can relate. If you don't, you know, if you're not limited in uh, in brain capacity to conceptualize the thought of refreshingly cold, um, you know, you can appreciate what it's like to, you know, you're you're warm and cozy in your house. You step outside, you take a breath. It's nice and it like it it it's uh it's nice and dry. You know, it's a good time. And you know, it's 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 still very much the winter. You have like the snow, but it's not like wet winter. Like you know, the stinky months of March and December. Um, so. Yeah, February is not the greatest of months. I'm not saying it is, but it's certainly better than the ones that you drafted in the last two rounds. And so, you know, it's it wasn't 12th, nor was it 11th on the draft board. You picked those months. Uh, and so that's how I, I just want to say. So, uh, I just yeah. want to say, so ju- just so everyone can really get a perspective on how bad Taisei's team is, he has the two months 
that come right after December, which are known for being the winter months that everyone hates, all right? Because all the fun stuff is done. You took both of them, January and February, all right? That's absolutely preposterous. Not only that, you took the first two months of the school year, August and September. They're both on your team. I can't believe you somehow got stuck with both of those first two months of the school year that everyone hates, all right? So there, and plus you got June and October. Uh, October was an absolutely such a reach in the second round and June. So I'll, I'll just read here. So Tyson's team, we got June, October, January, August, September, February. I've got December, okay. May, July, April, March, November. I know exactly Terrible which job. one emits 200 times better vibes than Tyson's and it's mine. All right. Well, that's, that's highly debatable. In fact, it's not even debatable. It's outrageous. It's the fallacy. Uh, and yeah, don't, don't get your pe- listeners. Don't get your opinion clouded by this clown who talks about the benefits of fucking April. Um, it's just or March. Oh my goodness! Can you can you imagine? Yeah, you know, if someone defends March, you know you can't trust their opinion. Um, and so that's where we're at. Uh, so you know, you know March I trust, being the worst month of the year. I trust our listeners not to get clouded by you talking about January being refreshingly cold. Anyone who's lived through one January knows that refreshing is the exact opposite of what January is. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, you can have all sorts of refreshing winter sports in January that you cannot play in March. What kind of sports is anybody playing in March uh, that's outdoors? The answer is nothing. Nothing. Uh, and that's why it stinks. Uh, and so, all right. So yeah, so, yeah, we'll put the poll up in a couple days. We'll see how the viewers think. I fully expect to win this one, like I've won all the other ones, um, because, you know, draft guru that I am. And, uh, yeah, just see that. Just it's just all around quality on my end, and it's all around reaches, especially near the bottom. Holy Christ! Um, on the other team, so yeah. That's you know, honestly, at. I think the I think December is just decisively so much better than the other months that even if I had a that's bad rest outrageous. of the draft, which I clearly oh didn't, God. I clearly didn't, I clearly nailed every single other break too. Even if I had a bad draft after December, I still might might have won just because of how great December is. Uh, so there, that's, that's a good final piece. Uh, please vote for my team because that's the right thing to do. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast. We'll be back next week. It will be May. Maybe Montreal will go one and three this week again. Who knows? And maybe they'll go three and one. Wouldn't that be kind of surprising? You can follow this podcast on Instagram, Fusion and Hockey Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter as well. And you can send this podcast to all your hockey-liking friends if you would like to.